The working world is very different than it was a generation ago, and all of us must adapt in order to be successful. Today, how to promote yourself and others through intrapreneurship. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 163. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal leadership. And today, looking at a topic that is of so much importance in today's organization is how we can more effectively promote ourselves and our careers And also, looking at the topic today of intrapreneurship. Now, if you haven't heard that term before, it's a term that is uh, being utilized a lot more in organizations and is an important way to be able to look at how we can drive innovation in the workplace. And I am so glad to be welcoming today someone who is really an, an expert in this area, has done a lot of thinking and advising organizations on this, and that is... Dan Chabelle. Dan is the managing partner of Millennium, a Millennial Branding, a Gen Y research and consulting firm. He's also the New York uh, the the author of the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestsellers of Promote Yourself: The New Rules for Career Success, and also the number one international bestselling book, Me 2.0: Four Steps to Building Your Future. He's also a columnist at Times and Forbes. Dan, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Hey, really happy to be here. Well, you know, I'm so glad to to have you here and to be looking at this topic because the world has really changed a lot in the last 15, 20 years. And as I was prepping for our interview, I was thinking back, I graduated from college about 15 years ago now. And just how things have changed. I remember when I was finishing school and working with the placement office on campus and just, you know, going through and people had job postings up on bulletin boards and they were teaching you how to write paper resumes. Boy, things have changed since then, haven't they? Oh my God. The amount of change that has occurred is unbelievable. Um, You know, the way I look at it is that with the economy and how the unemployment rates dropped, a lot of people don't consider all the different factors that are going on. So almost half of all Americans are underemployed. And so a lot of people don't know what really what underemployed means. It means that you know, you've got a college degree and you're, you know, bartending or you're, you know, waitressing. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is that there's actually 3.7 million job openings as of last month. Um, in America, but not enough talent to fill those jobs. There's about three job seekers for every job. Uh, for millennials specifically, and I'm a millennial at 30 years old, uh, half of millennials are either unemployed, underemployed, or have given up completely on the job search. In fact, uh, I think it's, I mean, it's a, high, it's a pretty high percentage. I forgot the exact amount with, uh, of Americans that have actually given up on their job search, and many are just living with their parents. Now, for millennials, 21 million are living with their parents. Um, you know, a lot of people don't even figure out their career path until their 30s and sometimes even 40s. Millennials, for instance, don't reach a salary of 40, $42,000 for the 30 years old now. And that used to be, used to be 26 years old 
20 years ago. Because the economy has had a huge impact on people's lives and how they have to rethink their careers. You know, you're, we're seeing the rise of freelancing. Um, we're seeing less of the nine to five workday because technology has expanded the workday to 24 seven. And that's had implications on work life balance. Um, we're seeing kind of like the rise of the entrepreneur or the entrepreneur, whereas a lot of people are like, Oh, I don't even want to work for a company. I'll just start a company or freelance or do or find multiple ways to, to get income, uh, which are now available through social networks and blogging and websites. Um, so it's, it's a completely different culture, especially because 94% of employers are scrubbing through social networks to not only just find candidates, but to conduct background checks of candidates. And no one had to worry about that 10 years ago. Uh, you know, you know, we just did a study and I've done 16 studies on employment over the past three years. And we found that only 2% of employers are recruiting liberal arts majors. So it's sort of like the death of a liberal arts major. Um, more focuses on STEM right now, science, technology, engineering, math. Um, so what you major in and how you manage your career um, are just even more important. People are starting their careers earlier in life now. I did a study on high school careers. Uh, 50% of high school students now have internships, and more companies are offering this, like the Microsofts, the Rackspaces, the Deloitte. Uh, some some companies are even going to middle school now to start recruiting and, and uh, connecting with students before they have to make career decisions. Um, so there's significant changes and people need to be aware, aware from a management perspective, a recruiting perspective, and a career development perspective. And that's my focus. You know, it really is interesting, like how many sort of things are going on at once. At one level, we've got so many people that are underemployed, especially at the younger, younger ages, earlier in their careers. And yet, like you said, organizations are really looking for a lot of that talent and um, it it just seems really odd that both of those things are happening at the same time. And uh, why do you think that is? You know, I think I think this is all happening at the same time. It's because, you know, maybe it should have happened years ago. You know, but I think everything is just caught up to America. You know, the deficit that we're in of uh, what sixteen trillion. I think uh, the student loans crisis is at I think it's one point four uh, trillion dollars or one point two. Uh, so these numbers are astronomically high, and they've been building and accumulating throughout the years. And now I think people are getting more serious about this because, you know, you look to the left and the right, um, and people are jobless, people are unemployed, um, people don't know what to do to get jobs. I mean, the rules have certainly changed. So the rules have changed for, you know, once you get a job, what you do. I mean, you know, the tenure rate at jobs has significantly decreased. Uh, the silent generation who is retired at this point, uh, they used to work at a company for at least 10 years, basically for life. Uh, and millennials right now only work at a company for two years. So it's very, very different. And that's why I think a lot of managers and a lot of people in general are having trouble navigating the new work uh, paradigm. It's also really interesting to me, the interest that we've seen across the board around higher education in, like you said, science, technology, engineering, math, uh, disciplines and majors, and less of a focus on the liberal arts education. And yet one of the things you you mentioned in the book is that you probably need skills that you don't have right now. And and, and a, a whole set of those skills, yeah, a whole set of those skills that you mentioned are like a lot of the technical, the the knowledge type pieces are more accessible than ever. It's really the 
the people skills, the communication, the leadership are the kinds of things that people are going to need in order to grow their careers these days. Yeah, when you have so many people competing for, for so few jobs, what really separates you? Well, the number one, the, the, the top three things that we found in the study, uh, in terms of getting a promotion at least, are being able to manage tasks, uh, being a team player and having a positive attitude. Uh, in terms of college, you know, student grad, college graduates getting jobs, the number one most important thing is positive attitude. So positive attitude is extremely important as you progress from college to career and, you know, become a manager and so forth. And so the only way you can have a positive attitude is to be in the right workplace culture, be working with the right team and on the, and, you know, obviously have good management, but working on projects that play to your strengths. And if, that is, if that's not set up for you, you're not set up for success. It's going to be hard to get the job in the beginning because you won't have that natural positive attitude. Mm. And then getting ahead is going to be hard because people just notice you have a positive attitude and other people will have a better attitude. And people want to work with like happy, excited people. You know, more companies now are recruiting based on people who show that an effort, right? A great example of Zappos. They don't have a job board anymore. Now you join a community and through your efforts, you have to impress people, basically. You have to you know, constantly you know, ask questions and kind of build your rec- re- reputation in that community, and then they might choose you. Uh, and I think that's kind of the path to future employment is you know, choosing the right people, companies, and jobs uh, instead of you know, sending your resume to a thousand companies and hoping you can hear back from five. One of the organizations that you look at pretty carefully in the book is American Express and just some of the things that they're doing. Could you share some of uh, what you found that uh, has, has worked for them? Well, yeah. So they sponsored a study in the book. And, you know, when I present on, you know, millennials in the workplace, or what companies are doing to cater to the next generation of worker, I use them as a case study because what they do is they have a program called Blue Work. And it's uh, basically an innovative program designed to support and promote flexibility in the workplace. Uh, so, I mean, you know, I went to the New York office a few years ago, and they have floors where, you know, it's, it's more of a co-working space than a cubicle kind of setup. Uh, people like that, you know, and based on your job description, some people can work from home. You know, some people can work from this co-working space they have there. Uh, there's different options, and I think that's what more employees want, especially, again, because you know, work-life balance has kind of changed to what I call work-life integration, where you know you know what work has to get done, and you know what you want to do on a personal level on a daily basis, and then you have to find a way to make sure all of that gets done so you maintain happiness. Uh, so what they've seen is, you know, and a lot of companies are starting to see this too, you know, when more employees work from home, it actually helps out a lot. It actually saves the company millions of dollars in real estate. You know, you don't have to have this office, this massive amounts of office space. And obviously in New York, that is going to cost a lot, even cost even more money. Um, so I think that, you know, having these type of programs is beneficial to everyone because it saves the company money, makes them kind of more innovative. So they have more to communicate from a recruiting standpoint. And then for employees, you know, it's like they trust employees. Employees have, you know, are more excited to work there and are able to do things that they want personally and professionally. 
Yeah, and this is a, a great segue to the concept of entrepreneurship. And you know, I think most people have heard the term entrepreneurship. You know, starting a company and creating a new idea. And one of the things that you are really an advocate for is, you know, entrepreneurship's great. Entrepreneurship, uh, but it's it's not just for starting a company anymore. That there's this concept of entrepreneurship. Could you share what that concept's about? Because I'm interested in how this could play into how some of the folks in our community might be managing their people. Yeah, and actually, it's not a new concept. It's been around for a long time, and it was originally started by 3M. I think it was like 40 years ago when they created the, the Post-it notes. And what they did was they took a bunch of engineers and they put them in a special building that these engineers did not have you know, to deal with corporate politics or anything. They're they were, you know, set aside from bureaucracy. So they're in this room, they're coming up with new ideas, they're testing them out, et cetera. And so they came up with close notes. And it was called, basically, the origins of entrepreneurship is called Skunk Works. And that was the program that I have. So a lot of companies will say, oh, we have a Skunk Works program, or this is our Skunk Works, where we have, you know, people going off-site to come up with new ideas. EMC did that, actually, when I was working for them. They use that term. Uh, and now we have so many different programs. I mean, in the book, you'll see the one that I list, uh, DreamWorks, where, you know, you, you partner with five people, you come up with ideas, you pitch the ideas to executives, they train you how to pitch the ideas, and then they can get funded. LinkedIn's the same, similar, where they have, you know, groups of five you can pitch once a year, and those ideas can be funded by, by executives. Google's 20% program, which is pretty famous, where you can spend 20% of your time doing workouts on your job description. Uh, Facebook has hackathons, where they have engineers, they put them in a room, they give them pizza and beer, and they come up with ideas like the like button, which has changed the base of the company. Microsoft Garage, similar concepts. Um, their success rate in Microsoft Garage is like 98% of creating new products that, that sell. So... I mean, this is, it's just becoming more important now because companies have to be more class. They have to, you know, instill innovation and throughout their, their company using their employee resources. Um, and I think it's a good thing. I think it, it motivates millennials who are somewhat entrepreneurial and then Gen Zs who are much more entrepreneurial or somewhat more entrepreneurial will, will, will cling to it as well. Uh, it's a good long-term strategy to have because it's more and more of an exciting culture to be in because each employee has a chance to make a remarkable difference in the company's future. Yeah, it's a really interesting convergence of, of culture and need in industry right now because like you said, there's this there's this need for innovation in so many organizations and we have the people who are entering the workforce right now who tend to be more interested in things like you've just said, the entrepreneurial mindset, but don't necessarily want to go off and just start their own business. And so they bring that mindset into the workplace. And I think that the challenge a lot of times, Dan, and you probably see this too, is that people come into the workplace, in some cases, even expecting most organizations to support that. And my sense is, and you tell me if I'm wrong, is a lot of organizations really aren't there as far as the examples you've given, like the Google and the American Express, that, that a lot of organizations are kind of thinking the more traditional, here's your job, you need, here's what you need to do. Exactly. So they might put up the front that, oh, we're innovative, and employees have you know, a good chance of being successful and taking on these projects. 
and then you start working there, and it's a completely different experience. Um, and so I, I don't think that really works. What ends up happening is the smart companies create a good internal culture, and then it becomes really easy for them to communicate that to the outside world using videos and blog posts and social network accounts and maybe TV advertising. You need to have the internal DNA working for you because, you know, the employee just won't last that long. You know, the turnover rate's already very high anyways, and so, you know, do you really want to shorten that? And people will talk, and now people can tweet and send Facebook updates, so eventually people are going to figure out, you know, that you're not a very innovative company that embraces entrepreneurship, and then people won't want to work for you. Yeah, this is, uh, so, this is really interesting. So what is, what's one thing that, if I'm a manager in an organization that maybe is wanting to get better at this and maybe hasn't done a lot of this in the past, what's a starting point for me as an individual and maybe how I might dialogue with my peers or senior management about how we would get started to think about this? Yeah, I think one of the things that when I speak to these companies is that they usually try and do too much at once. I think what you really need to do is you boil it down to one program at a time. And the e- one of the easier programs that I think is really effective for managing this next generation is a mentoring slash sponsorship um, program, right? So, I mean, and, and including that should be reverse mentoring. So basically pairing up you know, young professionals who are new to the company with executives who are, who are very seasoned. And they have to meet a certain amount of times a month. And during those sessions, they kind of go over, you know, the sessions are split in half. So let's say it's an hour session. The half hour should be, you know, the executive helping the millennial out. You know, this is who you need to know. Let me introduce you. Or, you know, you might want to read this book or whatever it is. And then the other half should be millennials helping the executives kind of think of new concepts and ideas and understand technology. And it needs to go back and forth like that to develop the right type of relationship. But those, those, those are good foundation because that, the idea of mentoring is going to be even more important for the generations to come. Oh, interesting. Are a lot of org- I, I've not heard that before, the reverse mentoring. Um, are a lot of organizations yeah, doing like, that? Uh, Jack Wells at GE years ago. Oh, uh, cool. But it's starting to get a little bit more popular. It's still early on. What a neat idea. I love that of giving people permission to say, hey, you know, now I'm going to be the one who's going to learn from you and learn what new ideas are out there and how we should be thinking about things differently. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think it's, I think companies need to do something like this because the session planning is going to be a huge, huge problem in the next five years. Uh, in the next five years, 20% of the workforce will retire and they're basically all boomers. And a lot of companies are kind of freaking out. They're like, oh, we have to like hire some of these boomers as consultants because we're going to lose all this, this knowledge. Um, but if you start with these programs now, you're going to capture that knowledge in the corporation so it stays there. So part of this is also changing the mindset of an organization that may not, may not be thinking, how do we really engage people to think more entrepreneurially, if I'm saying that right? Um, so I'm curious, too, with organizations or even individual managers that you've seen who have tried this, what are the obstacles that they tend to run into when trying to be more entrepreneurial and to really engage, especially the millennials? Yeah, I mean, the, the issue that, that it is, it's just not kind of a standard practice. It's not a pro- 
everything's about programs. I'm, I'm a firm believer that you need know, a true programmer on this that's sponsored by you know the CEO at that, the highest level. Uh, it's not a program, and if it's something like, oh, I'll mentor you or I'll help you out, it's just not going to be successful. So it has to be a program. And you mentioned the executive and or even a CEO sponsoring it. Um, why is that important as far as the ability for something to get traction? Yeah, you know, I think it's, I think you need to because if the CEO is behind it and he's like, kind of like you do a video of the CEO introduce the program, it's, it shows that it's part of who the company is. You know, if the CEO doesn't even know about it, it's really not part of the company. You know, it's just not blessed and doesn't have the same kind of prestige and, and uh, you know, view and reputation. You know, Dan, one of the things I'm really interested to is, you know, you've, you're someone who's very much kind of, who's really practices what you preach. I mean, you are, you mentioned 30 years old, you've already had a New York Times bestseller, you have spoken at many, many organizations people would recognize. And so you've had a lot of success pretty early on in your career. What's one thing that you've done that a lot of people your age you feel like haven't done that's really helped you to give get that visibility early? Yeah, I think my my top strategy, my top goal in the beginning was if you Google personal branding, you can't get rid of me. That was all I cared about in my first few years. And the other thing was I did take a niche. I was like, no one else is writing about this who's my age. I can help my I can help, you know, people my age, you know, succeed, right? And so that, that those two were really what helped. And everything else, all the hard work and the blogging and starting the magazine and writing books and doing speaking and all this stuff, that wraps around it. But those two, that, that idea and strategy plus that goal is a good percentage of why I'm here. And the other, the other idea that I had early on, because I was bad at networking when I was in college, was how about other people without asking for anything in return, right? I have like, in the book, I have five rules of relationship building, and that's like the most important one by far. And because I did that, I always put network above money uh, and brand above money. It's paid huge dividends now. You know, I've developed them almost at 10,000 LinkedIn contacts. Um, you know, I've interviewed 1,300 people. So it's like, it's the network. It's the network. That's, that's what's going to push you ahead. It's not just you know, being smart, right? I think a lot of people are smart. It's not like I, I didn't go to Harvard or anything. I don't think I'm brighter than anyone. I think it's more about, you know, focus, focus, focus. This is the area that I want to master and be the best at. You know, I've done 16 studies on it. Like, I just want to, I, that's the reputation I want to build. And so I think, you know, for anyone who's in a company, you know, we, we found in this study, 65% of managers are looking, for, looking to promote subject matter experts. I think, becoming really, really, really good at something that you know is going to be more and more important to your company or society in the future is, is, is important. Cool. And I, I think I remembering correctly, I saw you had written this, that you know knowledge is so accessible these days that having those connections and having built that network is a lot of times the difference maker of what separates the people who can really have great influence in their careers and those who may not have as much influence. Yeah, and I think part of why what people don't see is I said, I've been working since I was 13. So everything is has accumulated. And I think that's really important, right? A lot of people are like, oh, like, you know, you know your career's really taken off in the past few years. I'm like, 
yeah, but if I didn't get the experience and the connections and understand how business works and all this when I was so young, then maybe this wouldn't have happened, right? If I didn't have an internship in high school, seven more in college, if I didn't do three and a half years at EMC creating the first social media group, like everything is part of the story. And, and I think people need to be able to craft their own stories by, by finding links and experiences that they have. So for me, it's easy for me to talk about what I've done because basically I want to, you know, be somebody who helps my generation from college to CEO. So every book I write, it, it's the transition. So me 2.0 is college, your first job, promote yourself as first job to management, and then there'll be eventually another leadership book on management to executive level. Um, and to me, that makes sense, right? It's people understand it immediately, and it's, it gives me focus. Dan Chabel is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Promote Yourself, The New Rules for Career Success. Dan, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. I so appreciate it. Thank you. Two things from this conversation that I really love that Dan mentioned. First of all, was the concept of reverse mentoring. I mentioned I hadn't heard about that before in the interview. And now that Dan suggested that as a practice for mentoring programs, I know I'm going to be having that conversation anytime I'm talking to someone about mentoring someone else. And I would really encourage you, if you are a mentor already to someone, either formally or informally, is to stop and take a couple of minutes to then ask, what can I learn from this person? And maybe even make that a formal part of your conversation. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens with that as you do more of that in your mentoring relationship. So please keep me in the loop. The other thing that I really enjoyed hearing from Dan was just this reinforcement. I know we've mentioned this on the show before, but getting the chief or senior people involved in program sponsorship. If you are driving something in your organization and uh, your supervisors, leaders, or chief people in the organization aren't involved with it, that is that is something that's going to be a challenge down the road and uh, and likely, if not probably, is the stopping point for it not getting a lot of traction. And I've seen this happen a number of times in organizations where someone had a really good idea, they got a bunch of people involved, but for whatever reason, uh, some senior people or senior person was never involved in the conversation on the front end. And unfortunately, a really good idea or a good project just never happened because it didn't get traction. So key to involve that person up front. So if you're going to do uh, if you're going to do just one thing come out of this conversation, I would I would do either of those. Uh, take the time to seek some mentoring from the person that you're mentoring and then get that chief person involved. Whether it's a mentoring program or any program or initiative you're involved with, that will just improve your odds that the good ideas you're bringing to the organization and to the people that you're working with will be supported internally. And I hope you'll join the conversation as well as always. And please do that by going to coachingforleaders.com slash 163. And you can add in your comments on my conversation today with Dan. As always, I always welcome comments, questions, or feedback, especially for the future Q&A shows. And the next one is coming up with episode number 165. So that's just two weeks from now. 
And Bonnie and I are going to be tackling questions around networking. So if that is something you've wondered about, how to grow your network online, in person, how to utilize networking events effectively, I'd encourage you to get your question in now so we can consider it. And that's at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. And that's a topic I struggle with uh, networking. So I uh, am looking for some new ideas as well in that conversation. So I look forward to hearing your questions and we will have some good dialogue. And speaking of which, uh, feedback from the community, thank you so much for all of you who have reached out with support on the new Carnegie Coach Show that Aaron and I had mentioned last week on episode 162. If you missed it for whatever reason, I'm hosting a new show with my friends at Dale Carnegie that's airing Tuesday through Friday. It's a really different show than this show in format in that it's only six to seven minutes. So it's a very short skill from Dale Carnegie's library every day, but very much in alignment with the topics we talk about on this show, which is obviously much, much broader and we go into much more depth in the conversations. So if that's something that is of interest to you as well, Check out CarnegieCoach.com, and you can also find it, just uh, just search for Carnegie Coach on whatever podcast app or software you use, and the show's already listed very highly in the career section on iTunes, as is this show. I'm just so grateful for the support that so many of you have shown for the work that I've done through both of these shows, and I'm really excited to see how they complement each other as time goes on. So thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time to check that out. And I am just uh, so excited to hear your feedback, uh, both constructive and uh, and positive on that show. And this one, as always, too, I always love hearing from people on ways that I can continue to improve the work that I do online. So please keep me in the loop whenever you have something that would be uh, a value for me to hear. And a big thank you this week to those of you who joined the weekly update. If you're on the weekly update, each week you're going to get an email on Wednesdays. It has the notes for every podcast, including this show, with the links of the things that myself and guests mention. And also it'll always include an article from me that'll be of help to you in your leadership, communication, relating to others. This week, the folks who joined the weekly update are Bill Wild, David Campbell, Scott Greer, Bonnie Cronin, Paul Monteith, David Odo, John Ballantine, Armando Sanchez, Katrina Wallace, Barbara Etienne, Julia Martin, Liam McKay, Ali Quatani, Jen McMillan, Matthias Yarnhall, Andrew Easton, Drew Lichtig, Kenny Adair, James Austin, Ashley Lewis, Daniel Hauf, and Amy Hayes. Thank you so much for all of you for joining the weekly update. And if you'd like to get that as well, and in addition, you'll get immediate access to a special bonus, which is my guide on the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others, including the two that I rely on weekly. And by the way, one of those is Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, which I'm pulling a lot of information on for the the Carnegie Coach Show, you can subscribe as well to get that. Just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe, and you will begin receiving those as well. Hey, I also wanted to say thank you so much to our friend Barbara. Barbara has been a huge supporter of myself and Bonnie over the years and has been a longtime listener to this show. Barbara left a wonderful review on iTunes this week. Uh, Barbara, thank you so much for that. I'm so grateful for your support and all you've done for 
for Bonnie and me. And thanks for being such a wonderful contributor to this community as well. And if you've been listening to the show for a while and you feel like you can leave a review about the value the show's provided to you, I would love it if you take a moment to go to iTunes or Stitcher. Go to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes or coachingforleaders.com slash Stitcher and you can leave a review on either. Thank you in advance if you decide to do that. And please tune in next week because my friend Tom Henschel from the Look and Sound of Leadership podcast is back. We are going to talk about how to work with a boss who's a jerk. You don't want to miss that. Uh, Tom always has tons of great wisdom for those of you listening to his show as well. So Tom and I are going to talk about jerks next week. (laughs) Make sure you join us. Hey, have a great week and I'll see you next week. Take care.